0: morning brother how you doing
1: good morning i am positively tired um <laughs> positively because it's it's all for the good reasons all for positive reasons but i cannot ignore the fact that i am tired
0: how are you yeah i can't complain i've had a very interesting week um my consultancy business has taken on a new client as you know and that client is focused on world domination and there's nothing more invigorating than an ambitious client who really wants to, to be as big as they can be. It really makes you check your own self and say, oh, you know, am I might been ambitious enough. So that's been really interesting. It's just spurred me on. So I've got energy.
1: It's a positive thing, I think. environment, everything. Um, in the last conversation I overheard with her, it made me realize that there are some people here who are truly going to make a positive impact. Their energy. And is just galvanizing. It empowers people to want to do more. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm proud of her. I'm excited for what the world's going to
0: see. It's been almost a hundred days for you in your new role, and it's come into a to a a bit of a head there. How would you characterize those that those first hundred days?
1: It's enabled me to do a deep dive. Um, So for our avid listeners, uh, at the very beginning of this year, we started the Tuckman model of series, looking at norming, storming, et cetera, et cetera. And within the last 100 days, I've been able to do a deep dive into the idiosyncrasies of the organization, how it works specifically, what the quick wins are, and what are the long-term priorities. The second part of that's been me trying to, succinctly convey that to other people. One, to help them to either realize these are the real priorities, or two, to impose what I believe are the priorities, because not everything can be worked on at once. Um, We are getting into the storming phase where Mm. there are instances of conversations where I'm having to take a seat back and say, actually, my focus is the core and not the branding. We can change the branding as Mm. long as the core stays the same. This (laughs) needs to be implemented. Um, So, it's it's fascinating times, and that's going to really ramp up speed in the next few weeks. Just continuing to storm, continuing to see who can play what role and what's missing to actually achieve the goal set.
0: One of the things that you said, which I think perfectly um, characterizes a discussion we're going to be having today, is about keeping the core the same, but changing the branding. Um, Today, we're going to be joined by two amazing characters who I think embody the ability to adapt and change and respond to their environment. We have two individuals who have got various identities simultaneously. They're athletes, they're performers, they're entrepreneurs, they're siblings. Um, And I'm already upset because I know that because we've only got an hour to go, we're not gonna answer all of the questions that we need to answer during this discussion. Um, but we're going to do our best. Um, Jonathan and Hannah Ruth Moore are co-owners and lead coaches within Sial. Uh, That's a subscription-based service which gives users access to both live and pre-recorded instructor-led fitness content. So imagine logging into your Netflix account and being able to access fitness courses from a range of different coaches. Now, this is a very innovative model, which I think perfectly characterizes the time that we're in. And shows you that even during a global pandemic, there's a way to achieve growth. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And without further ado, I really want to bring both uh, Jonathan and Hannah Roof in. So welcome, welcome to the d- discussion. Welcome to Expensive Lessons. Hannah Roof. John.
2: Hello, uh, thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, that was that was perfect. And um, yeah, thank you for having us today. We're looking forward to it.
3: Pleasure to be here, both Abby and Afalobi. Yeah, it's a thank you for inviting us on. We look forward to diving in.
0: (laughs) Well, without further ado, so whenever I get the opportunity to speak to people who are performing, uh, when I say performing, I mean every day bringing their effort into a space that needs them to feed it. Um, I, I always want to try and understand what the DNA looks like. Um, Afalabi has a question about entrepreneurs and whether entrepreneurs are born and born or made. So, Hannah Roof, my question to you is, how would you characterize your father?
2: My dad, do you know, uh, that's a very, very good question. I like that question. Um, Do you know what I would say? I've identified, I think, over the years as you grow and get older and you see your, your parents as actually people, not just parents, there's, there's a difference. At first you go and you look up to them and, you know, they take care of you and they, yeah, they do a good job in, in raising you. There's a different, you see them in a different light, a different perspective and now I'm much older and um, looking back at the things that they've done for me and the sacrifices they've made, I look at my dad and I'd say, you know what? He was an entrepreneur. He was definitely someone that was very creative and I didn't realize it. You know, he was always he was always trying to create a new thing. He was always trying to pitch a new, pitch a new idea and get people moving and get people bring community together. So it's it's not a shock um, that myself and my brother are doing exactly the same thing um, in, a, in a different way, in a, in a new way. So yeah, I describe my dad as a as a very driven, very resilient. Very resilient, very um, entrepreneurial and just, a, just a, a cool dad, you know?
0: Yeah. When when you said resilient, Jonathan shook his head aggressively. Like, yeah, resilient. Yeah. Where, where, where does
3: that come from? Well, you have, you know, I can't remember who said it, but I just, maybe it was Bob, Bob Marley himself. But he, if you don't know where you come from, you're not gonna know where you're going. Mm. So uh, I live in England, but that, my heritage is not from here. Um, so from a young age, my dad took myself and Hannah back to the Caribbean, to Jamaica. So he's from a, uh, a small. Um, he's from a place called Saint Mary's Parish called Saint Mary's, and a small place called um, Guava River, P- Pimento Hill Guava River, you know, and. My dad is now approaching his seventies, so you know, he he's, he was he was born a long time ago, and going to school, having uh, shoes, having the necessities that I have today, was a luxury. Go- going to school was a blessing. Now you you, you that's not that's not that you cannot mix those two words in today's society because going to school you have to go. It's it's illegal not to go to school, and you know having the right amount of uh, nutrition and water was a, is a blessing. Then to be in that situation and, uh, you know, be the eldest sibling, take care of your siblings, come to England, buy your first house at 20, become a professional table tennis player, um, travel around Europe. Just the way, you know, growing up, I used to walk down the street. Yeah, this is no where. I used to walk down the street and people say, Mr. Moore, Mr. Moore, is that you? How are you doing, sir? And, I, and this would happen all through, all throughout my, my childhood. So growing up, I would say, wow, people really respect my dad. You know, my dad led Ingram School to basketball national championships and, and winning it. So growing up, I saw my dad as, as the superhero. People adored him. People looked up to him. I didn't know of his background when he first um, at that age. I only learned it in my late 20s. And then I looked back and I said, wow, I have to do what I need to do because without my dad, and obviously my mom as well, not only would I not be here, but I wouldn't have the. the res- I, I, cannot, I cannot fail. Look where my dad's come from mm-hmm. and look where mm-hmm. I am now.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, you mentioned your mom briefly. Now, one of the things that I've noticed in my life is that whenever you have a big personality mm. you need the right type of person to help contain that personality <laughs> so tell, <laughs> tell me about your mom, Jonathan
3: yeah okay yeah so the, the mom was making sure that everything was ready and I'm not just talking about the typical like, uh, you know, even though my parents are in their 60s, 70s, it wasn't my mom wasn't like a stay at home mum and cooking and cleaning. She did all of that. But my, I would say my mum worked more vigorously than my dad. So she was in the same job for over 30 years. Now, you don't, you don't see that these days, you know, so that, 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 that's a massive achievement. Then she also, you know, lost her parents at um, quite a young age and she, just ensured that every day our clothes were pristine. You know that fresh white school t-shirt? Mm-hmm. You had in the fresh black shoes. Your blazer was smart. Your school photo, the first day of school, you got that school photo. So, you know, you, you come into our house and you and you smell the, the seasoning. you know, like, oh, that there, that's having some curry go or that's ackee and saltfish and fried dumpling in the morning. You know, it, it's like, so my dad wouldn't be my dad's. If my mum didn't have, you know, you talk about in business, you have the the systems, the structures, and the routines. My mum put all that in place. She was the operational man. She was yeah. the operations. And my Love dad, it. my dad, but now, so my dad wouldn't be my dad if it wasn't for my mum, and, and mm. vice versa.
0: Mm. And and Hannah Roof, you know, as as your first female role model, mm. how 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 would you characterize your mum?
2: Yeah, like. Jonathan's explained well but as I said like operations my how I see it was routine she built a very comfortable routine a very I knew Monday to Sunday I knew everything I grew up knowing there was stability it was you know I was very I was a young child that did a lot of activities every day after school it was dance it was netball it was gymnastics it was here here, there and everywhere but I didn't feel here, then everywhere. If that makes sense, she created this structure that it was like, okay, go to school, come back. You know that your your dance kit is, is freshly ironed and washed and ready to go to, and you've got your lunch ready or your little snack before before you go to dance. It's all it was all set up. So my mum was, she would run a tight ship. She ran a very tight ship. And I, I look back now, and I'm like, how did you do it all? I think it it's crazy because, as Jonathan said, she worked a full time job, which again was investing in people she was a social worker and someone that she was very passionate about what she did and she was very she put a lot of her time into it as well so doing that and then on top of two children that you are taking to netball taking to dance taking to wherever karate you're investing a lot of time so there wasn't a lot of time if I'm honest for herself I look back she she was at, obviously had children at a time when she was ready to invest fully into my family, and that's it. This mm. I am here for for them, and and that's it. And I, I have to take my hat off to my mom because she, yeah, self sacrifice.
3: Our parents gave not just everything, but but more. Yeah. More.
2: Yeah,
3: definitely.
0: And it paid off. Um, they've you know fed into to amazing. Uh, adults and have the trophies to show for it um for example uh, Hannah Roof, I'd love you to tell me about being on stage at the West End
2: yeah so that was a that was a very big 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 moment for me um so some of you who don't know so I'm a dancer and I've been dancing since the age of three I always say I feel like I've been in I've been training since the age of three um And that's both just from play, playing in the garden. My garden was a a massive part of my, I suppose my dance career, my my athletic career. It all started from my back garden. I had a, we lived on a road where, you know, there was was average size garden, but our garden was for some reason, I don't know why it was really big. We just got the biggest garden. I don't know what it was, it went really far back. So we had all this, this place to just just play. And um, from there, I attended my local dance school, um and I was there for a long while and my teacher I think I looked up to my teacher which I think was probably the first inspiration of me to think oh do you know what I think I want to be a dancer whatever that was um I did tap jazz ballet contemporary um I did exams throughout the year many um worked my way up and then just continued that I think i got to, to teenage years and I, it's always a time where you can easily, I think, decide. You know what? I don't really want to do this anymore. Or, but I managed to push through and continue doing it. Um, even though you know maybe there was distractions. It something about dance kept me going. I think it was the fact that I could express myself. The fact that every day you're learning something new. Um, there's always a challenge. Um, and then yeah, going into going into Western was it took a lot of work. It took a lot of grafting. I think it took maybe longer than I expected it to, but it it was a moment that I'd been waiting for, I think, all my life. Um I was traveling and touring before that on a Michael Jackson tour. And and, and yeah, we I don't know, we we spent a lot of time, like what's wanna say, we spent a lot of time like touring around. And I don't think we expected the show to make it to West End. I think it's you've got to earn your and your earn your points. And so when it did, I think for us as a show, we were. We were just ecstatic. So for me, it wasn't just like a big moment for me, but it was a big moment for us. For such a small company that have travelled—we literally travelled everywhere in England to places I've never heard of before—and to make it onto the West End stage, it was a big moment for all of us. So it was, um, yeah, I can't describe it other than just just exciting.
0: You're you're a very humble person, uh, Anna Ruth, and um,
3: I agree, there when you say
0: that. W- what what I know about dance which is very little you could probably put it on a small piece of paper but what I know about dance is that it's fiercely competitive fiercely competitive especially for the people in the upper echelon so my question to you is what qualities do you think you had which helped you get to the point where you were on stage in West End doing what you'd been brought up to do?
2: First of all, I would say resilience, um, but that that builds up over time. I think you have to have to have to have a love for it, and I'm going to be honest: it's love hate. It's not always love. I don't think um, anyone that says they you know they do a, something like dance or athletics, it's not an always constant love. There's a, there's always that kind of swinging pendulum where you love it and then sometimes you hate it. And the reason why I mentioned school was because was after school, there were times where it was like, oh, I could easily hang out with my friends. But it was like, no, it got tap Monday, Jazz Tuesday, uh, Contemporary Wednesday. It was, you know, Friday, our oh, evenings where maybe I'd want to hang out. And so there was a lot of sacrifices in my teenage years that I made to, to, to do that. So yeah, sacrifice, that'd be another one. Um, and constantly having to evolve. You are being criticized you are being judged you are being do after you fit this this is not right for you and you have to constantly okay all right boom take take the, take the positive from that but then also remove the negative because if you continue to take those you mm. know the objections which happen that's normal it's, it's part of it's part of the industry as you said it's fiercely competitive you know you'll end up not um, having yeah what's the word self so self-deprecate, not believing in yourself so you have to mm. constantly Building that value system myself—that you know I'm good enough. Um, I, you know, this is something that I love. This is something that I know where I want to go with it. So ignore the distractions.
0: Yeah. So, so thick skin is a must in in that space.
2: Definitely.
0: Um. So, so traveling the world as a dancer, uh, Jonathan, tell me about how you ended up in West Virginia.
3: Yeah. So, from again, it all comes down to my dad because I used to. Attended uh, Ashburton Community School. From there, I went to Harris, but didn't get on quite well there. So my dad, who was coaching Tailton, is that uh, John Fisher, um, got me into that that school. There was quite a um, high performing sports school as well, Catholic school. And from there, he was it helped me explore opportunities in just pursuing my sort um, of professional football career, which I, I wanted to, to get to. So we approached a sporting agency called First Point USA. Went through the process, uh, doing the uh, the what do you call those exams again in America? The um, I've got the test now, but the their GCSE version just slipped my mind. But did that? Went oh, I remember. Uh, booking, uh, booking the uh, well. My, my actually, my mum had to take me to London to update my passport. You know, one of those last minute things. Oh, passport's not up to date. <laughs> Run to London, get back, bang, and then we was on the plane. My dad came with me to uh, Washington DC. so I remember landing in Washington DC first time in that space there. Beautiful, beautiful city, and yeah, it was through a lot of my foundation of playing Sunday football. And really just honing my skills my dad working with me one-to-one as well in our big garden that we had in Fortin Heath just practicing, practicing my skills and then that opportunity in America yeah came about from that hard work it was a very very unique opportunity uh, what happened to me in America I don't think you, anyone could have guessed or even done a movie on it because I was said I was over there to play football but I ended up being homeless, you know, and so I was whenever they're at eighteen. Yeah, whenever they're eighteen, spent just over a year and a half there. But in that year and a half, I got to experience the beautiful uh, content of America. I was at President Obama's inauguration. I was homeless. I was. Um, I was meeting people from all different walks of life. I made Sierra Leonean brothers, got to understand and kind of learn the language and return as somebody who realized that as a black person in the United Kingdom, what I've been exposed to is so minute compared to what maybe the average black person is exposed to in America. I'd never seen a a really large house until I went to America let a large house with swimming pool and with garage and gym. I was like, black people can actually attain this. This is unreal. I, I remember sitting in my dormitory and this guy speaking on the TV. And I'm not really, a, I wasn't a politics person at all back then and really interested in the news. But this guy captured me with, with his words and his voice. And little did I know this was the president-elect Obama. And then I said to myself, you know what, I'd love to sort of, be like this guy and I, uh, my friend introduced me to his mentor his mentor was a senate for the United States of America as a senate on the day of the inauguration the, the roads are closed in Washington DC but because he's got a special pass he drove us in his van through the through the quiet streets of DC dropped us up and said Jonathan um, Amadu here's your tickets go so we walked around and thousands of people are getting ready to for Obama to to, to, to be announced and you're there and you just, I couldn't see him because I wasn't as close, I wasn't that close, but we could, could, could hear could, TV screens around, et cetera. And just witnessing the first pres, um, black president of the United States to be inaugurated, that really, that really uh, um, just magnified my mind and my belief to come from somewhere like Faunton Heath and seeing what the lifestyle that I'm used to living to seeing that a black person can run a country and also living a house and have a lifestyle that, if it was only seemed like a movie, encouraged me to want to make a difference in my life and others when I came back to United Kingdom.
0: It's, it's clear as day that that has had a, a formative effect on your life um, and how could it not? You know, one of the most iconic moments of our entire lifetime, I'm sure, one of the moments that's going to be captured in history Long after we're gone is something that you got to witness firsthand, which I think is 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 amazing, and I'm sure inspired your steps going forward. So my next question is: tell me about how you got introduced, Jonathan, to martial arts.
3: Yeah, it was so on my return, I on my return from America, I wasn't sure exactly what to do. I would, I thought let me take up football again but I was very I was quite I was depressed at the time I didn't know it um because obviously no one wants to be homeless and you my short my stay was cut short I was supposed to be there four years I was there just under under two years so I was looking for other opportunities and I think that comes from my dad you know is always looking what can I do next and one day I was just sitting on my um, on my bed watching a movie called kickboxer and i said this guy is amazing john claude van damme you've seen it you know amazing you know he's doing the splits he's kicking the banana trees bang, and i said this guy's brutal you know i want to I be like him so i googled bang famous google muay thai um, and then I, another martial arts came up wing Chun. so i had the choose between wing Chun and muay thai and i said this muay thai looks brutal you know I went to my first, I went to a gym in Heath called KO South and my first session, remember this guy, Turkish guy, great, great guy, fantastic. And he said to me, you can be good, you know, you can go far. My first session. And you know, that, that was, I think it was like the catalyst for me continuing my Muay Thai career because I just came there just to learn. And then two years later, I ended up being a professional Muay Thai fighter and, you know, competing and working my way up and then coaching kids and using that as a as a platform to form my own business so the the journey it's like when you get stuck into things that maybe just come you come across or as a hobby you don't realize where it will take you mm.
0: so Hannah roof you 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 see your your brother developing a love for martial arts and then you see him shape a, a business proposition. What was your first introduction to what we know as a uh, Jam Total Sport? Oh. And what was that discussion like?
2: So before that all began, I had just finished three years studying, and training in Liverpool at the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. So I was there um, after the Brit school, I moved up to Liverpool Um, which was amazing I had a a brilliant time and that again cemented and carved my my journey into dance career and it yeah it was it was a brilliant it was an amazing time it was a, a it was I think a massive catalyst for me in my in my life because I met so many different people from different walks of life different nationalities of course you're living by yourself a new city a cool city so it was it was brilliant and then I came back home to start you know auditioning etc so my focus wasn't it was was on myself and was on on my on my career um however what I what I didn't know was that okay whilst you're doing that you also need to be what's the word I had to start thinking about other options you got to have a you have to have a plan b and also you have to earn money so I saw my brother was doing martial arts and teaching and coaching. So that summer, we we, we started, to, started to help him out. I don't know how that conversation happened, but we just started to travel around, I um, say so it's in Merton, and we were teaching in children's centres. So these are that children aged, gosh, three, three to five. And we were, throughout the whole summer, we were teaching in different yeah different children's centres in Merton. And me and him in this little red car, so it was this little red car, and we would be have our sports kit, and we were teaching children how to hop, how to jump, how to skip, that nutrition, like, that little like plastic bananas and that just really simple stuff, teaching them how to climb, climbing frames. So I went from Liverpool to, I say, living this like this amazing, I say, amazing dance, I say, dance life. And I came back to and Heath and was, or to, to Croydon, to London and was, was, yeah, traveling around the Children's centres teaching. And so from there, we, I thought that's the the first kind of, so the foundation of the business began, it was it was teaching children how to play. It was called like multi-skills, but developing them their motor skills and um something that I suppose me and Jonathan did a lot in our garden, again, our big garden. So it was actually kind of going, what's the word in full circle that we were doing the mm-hmm. same thing to um teaching children how to do the same thing. So that was the, that was the first instance. And I think from there we just decided, well, you know what? We both, you come from back from America you you know you um didn't work out however you know our passion his passion and love for sport was still there myself had finished um training I was now auditioning we've got these two um kind of blessings and gifts that you know God has given us like why don't we just like start this little business like we, we can do this like teach them to do this like this is it just makes sense so I said that was the first occurrence of of Jam Total Sport but was it even called Jam then I think it was I I think it was called something I don't know what it was called it was (laughs) was called something else yeah there's been many levels to 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 this to this business and yeah
0: and I'm gonna I want to bring Afalabi in because I've seen him just nodding and taking notes and he he looks like he's enjoying himself Um, but before I do I want to ask just one last question and I'll ask it to, to Jonathan so you had this idea for a business. Did you feel like a, an entrepreneur at the time? Did you have the skill set required to deliver? Or was this a situation where you went, I'm in, I'm just going to do it and sink or swim?
3: That's a good question, you know. A very good question. And I want to elaborate on that a little bit more. Because, yeah, you know, self-defining, talk about self-defining. Who are you? What's, what is your Why? How did you come about? And that word entrepreneur at the age of so I started a business. I'm 32 now, and I started a business at 20, that first business. I didn't know what entrepreneur was. It just seemed like a it's, it seemed like a just a fancy word, like I'm like champagne, you know. <laughs> and I remember listening to your previous podcast, I think you talking to uh, Craig and Sean original flavors and you talked talk, talk about uh, why so why why are you here Jonathan why are you doing what you're doing as you said knowing where my I come from my dad comes from and where I want to go really helps me and what happened to me in America so what I didn't touch on was when I was homeless in the homeless shelter there was a, a gentleman who, who approached me and said Jonathan well, I didn't know my name but young man you're here why are you here? And I, I explained to me, you shouldn't be here. You're, you're far too young. Let me go and buy you some uh, some food. So by the way, this this was a homeless guy himself, and his his day job was to stand on the side of the interstate, so a busy road in America, dressed up as a Statue of Liberty, holding like this all day. That's all he did. And he took me to the shop and bought me my first lunch. You know, fast forward I'm back in the UK, some old my why? What, what am I going to do? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What happened to me, I didn't want to happen to any other young people. And it dawned on me that I've got this gift of sport. So this is when I I set up Jam Total Sport. So my why was birthed from suffering and not wanting to see other young people go through what I experienced. And this wasn't an entrepreneurial venture. This was just like... Getting the, get the, get the work getting the work done. I had nothing else to do. Is ever you know you're from in Fort Heath? you would do you do something or you join a gang or you or you you, you know you start robbing somebody for for for, for, for money. You, 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 what's your choice? So I, I took the I think is the harder route, created something from scratch, and decided that let's make a difference to the lives of young people and adults through uh, dance and sport.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. I love you.
1: I enjoy just being able to sit back and listen and absorb genuinely, selfishly. This is incredible. Um, you are two incredible individuals. And I say that first because oftentimes we don't accept that. And sometimes it's hard to accept all that has been done. I've got so many questions and I'm going to try to keep this really succinct. Um, but to help my question make sense, Whilst listening to you both at the beginning, it reminded me of one of TD Jake's books, Saw, where he spoke about all that his father did. His father was a go-getter. His father was constantly into different opportunities. But as he got older, he started to realize both the benefits of what his father deposited in him and what his father maybe could have done better. Um, Interestingly, both of you spoke about your parents' resilience their sacrifice and how they constantly look for opportunities. And then individually in your stories, you also mention the words resilience and sacrifice and being able to evaluate. So they've clearly deposited that into you. Now, I am really focused on this because I'm a parent. I'm also in education. So I'm always thinking about how can we be intentional about giving back to the next generation? So all that being said, my question is, based upon what you have evaluated from your parents, What is it that you want to definitely pass on in your business, in your relationships with your future children? And what is it that actually you want to do differently that they maybe didn't do to definitely get to the next
0: level? Maybe we'll split that in half. So um, how about if we say, Jonathan, what do you want to pass on Mm. and Hannah Roof, what do you want to do differently?
3: Mm. So, for me, I want to pass on my my skills, my skills in terms of my sporting ability. I'd like to be able to share the technical aspects of what have made me a, a great athlete to those young children who desire to not even be professional athlete, but just enjoy sport and 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 better be part of their lifestyle. Second, um, second but i think it's, it's most important so i think this will go in front of the sporting ability is like love and unity and what i mean by that is just caring for the person next to you and sharing that your those gifts of others so if i share with a and b um a shades of b etc cetera, etc cetera. so that the the love spreads and in turn that's unity coming together with a with a, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a common goal and eventually when they have kids that's a very good question you posed, um, Afalabi, and it's I haven't quite nailed it, but one thing, and it might sound strange me saying this, but although I want my children to have a better life than I've had, even though I've had a good life, is I want them to experience suffering as well. I, I think, the reason why I say suffering is, is, is why do you want, without suffering, I don't think you know you cannot be successful. I, I I don't I don't think you can. Suffering is important for, for growth, for learning, for nurturing. And for me, it's how am I gonna create an environment where they know they're loved and protected, but they also suffer at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that, and it's reminiscent of Viktor Frankl's book *Man's Search for Meaning*. It's, um, it's through suffering that we find our meaning. Um, and just, just to illustrate that point, you don't know that you love something until you're willing to suffer for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is in your life, if you're not willing to suffer for it, do you truly love it? Is it truly part of your identity? Um. I hand over to you, Hannah Ruth. Um, what do you think you'd do differently?
2: So differently to my what my parents or my my parents. That's did. right. Yeah. So, um, when you, I feel like when you mentioned about T.D. Jakes' book, saw I, um, I have that book and I read it, and I also remember his his talk on it, and it's very interesting because I thought about my dad when when listening to it. Um, so, like I said, I, when realizing that my parents were were people, and they although they did many great things for us and set up great foundations, they also make mistakes and, and, and that's okay. And accepting, um, accepting that, that, that humanizes them and makes you realize, Oh, okay. You know, they, they had, they had goals and they had visions before, before we were around. And I think for, in regard, respect to my dad, I would say, so be, be creative, be creative and it's, it's important to be creative and it's okay to, it's okay to fail at those things, but, also, when you have a great idea or a gift or, or a passion, it's okay to collaborate and join forces. You don't have to do it all alone. And I think that mindset only. I think possibly my dad, mummy didn't realize he had that mindset, but he didn't think by himself. It's that kind of thing of where they don't. They naturally, from the environment they've been brought up in, where he came from, coming from Jamaica or from, from Saint Mary's, it was a lot of a, a of a solo journey. Um, even though, you, even if you have eight siblings or nine siblings, or sometimes there's this still the thing of where they've got to do it by themselves, or the, the first brother or the middle brother or the first daughter. Or it's they've got to, they're doing it for, they're doing it all alone. When actually, no, you know, bring it, bring your, bring your sister in, or 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 bring bring your friend in. You don't have to be resourceful. You don't have to be resourceful and, and team up. You know, uh, you know that it says in scripture, but you know, it's it's better. When one or two or many come together, you know, it's better to come together because you can get the work done more effectively. And and, and also that person can bring a different spin on things. I didn't have naturally think about business. I wasn't, you know, I was training to be a dancer. However, I learned coming out of university, there's more than one way to do things. So yes, I wanted to perform on the Western stage, but also how about a business that empowers people through dance and sport, through dance and fitness? So, you, you've gone through the journey of, of, of training to be a professional dancer, but you've also gone through, okay, suffering or hardship, or also what it is to be a part of a team,
3: mm-hmm. an
2: ensemble. You, you, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I would say just um, unity, coming together.
3: Yeah. And I think Hannah and I have really um, done differently what we, um, what I, my, my parents didn't do, which is as siblings, brother and sister, come together because a lot of people say that siblings or families shouldn't work together. Mm. So we've done that differently. And, you know, it's although we are brother and sister, we love each other as blood, but also you've got to look at it in terms of how can we make change our economic situation as a family mm-hmm. yeah. together? We're like, we, we can, we've got these skills and gifts. Let's combine it and, and make the brother and sister relationship also a business relationship. Mm-hmm. It
0: should be profitable. Well said. And once again, you guys have been, been very humble about your, your, your previous business and um, how, how, how you, you operated. Um, you taught motor skills within schools, but you also led adult running clubs and um, secured a contract with, with uh, a very um, high-end gym. Um. What do you think it was about your partnership? What do you think it was about the way that you guys worked together, which allowed you to grow this business successfully? Hannah Ruth, I'll ask you first. Um,
2: I think when we started a business, so Jonathan said he was 20. I, I think when we began a business, I don't think people saw siblings doing what we were doing. So back then, for, like gentlemen said I didn't know entrepreneurs I didn't know any entrepreneurs I didn't know any siblings running a business it and it so I think that was unique I think people and the fact that we, yeah, we were brother and sister and also both very athletic if, if that makes sense um and yeah I think that that combo that duo was was unique um yeah I, I just think keep it simple that was it it was just wow these two siblings like both energetic both both like to get their feet um get stuck in um and um and also maybe a little bit of, of sacrifice so jonathan maybe needed to had to another engagement or had to go on, maybe fight had a muay Thai fight i would then step in and run that session or so the the constant what's the word back the, the back and forth of the support yeah. the support like i think yeah they always saw where jonathan was I sound silly, but where Jonathan
0: was, I was, and where I was, Jonathan was, we were always there for each other. Fantastic, and we're we're now in a very very strange time, where the, uh, the type of business that you, you led
3: mm-hmm.
0: is very difficult for us to operate that successfully for a multitude of reasons. Um, and you made the decision that it was time to Time for a change. What was that discussion like? How did how how did you guys come to that decision? And what were the next steps in transforming your your business to something which was more of an online offering? Uh Jonathan, do you want to tackle that one?
3: Yes. So it came about quite quite authentically in the sense that the work we put in over the years, that we mentioned that we do doing a running club. We, so with our, contracts at David Lloyd's we were providing seven classes a week there um, under the banner of Jam Total Sport so Muay Thai classes for adults and kids, dance class, running club and alongside doing personal training so we brought up a community and then our community was, was uh, very strong so we'd, we would train in the snow, we'd be taking them to Muay Thai competitions, um, we, would be, we would travel together and we're talking about kids from as young as five one of the adults in the thirties uh, and forties. So it was a lovely community that we built up. So as soon as the pandemic hit, you okay, you got two two options: you leave your community. We decide how can I serve my community another way. Hannah said, "Let's do a virtual membership." I was like, oh, what's this? He's like, "We can do what we're doing online." I was like, "I can't teach more town online. It's, it's, I've never like it doesn't make sense. How do you do that? That I look like a fraud. I, I look here. Yeah, I just look like a joke." And but you know, Hannah persuaded persuaded me, and we, we tried things out. We did like trial and error stuff on Instagram and stuff on YouTube, and this and that. And eventually, then Hannah, Hannah said, Why don't we create the subscription service where we're paying X amount a month? Uh, so currently, people we've got a free trial for people to try out Muay Thai dance, kettlebell strength and conditioning, yoga, and Pilates classes live with instructors from america from scotland and from and from um, london if they miss a class they catch it on demand as well so they never miss out and they can do it so for example you know aflabi's got um he's got a big family so his time is his time is 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 in demand but having a class to do when he wants to do it this makes it easier to kick off a finger then we said okay we've got that but our community like to interact and talk Let's create a private Facebook group because then they can share their peaks and troughs. As you talked about early, Abby. You can talk, you, you can share your successes and your failures. And our community are not athletes. Our community are just are people who want to look after their mental and their physical well-being. That's why our mission is all about strengthening our community's mental and their physical well-being through dance, martial arts, and fitness. So through that, we've created that product, which then allows people to work out from the comfort of their own home, switch on your laptop, just like we're doing now, and exercise. I love it.
0: Now, one thing that isn't necessarily visible to members of the general public is a significant change in target customer for your business. Your primary customer or your primary focus previously was a B2B business. You were looking at engaging with other businesses, gyms or schools, et cetera. But your new business is B2C. You're targeting the consumer more directly, which requires an entirely different marketing approach. So I've got an interesting question, uh, which might lead me nowhere, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Hannah Ruth, who is Isabel? Isabel. Oh, so
2: Isabel is our marketing manager who we met around like September or well, Jonathan knew her previously so Isabella Isabella to be correct her <laughs> my sister-in-law she knew her beforehand and she, Jonathan met her so we know her through there and she basically does all our marketing and in September when we had launched because the lead up even before September there was a good few months of Jonathan's testing trialing creating this virtual membership hiring coaches getting the platform the software to, to run the classes so there was was all that lead up that was to anyone out there that has done that now or is doing that. I would say is is, is very rigorous because moving online is not the teaching part is actually the easy part. It's the make sure you have a good signal, the stuff that the software is good, how how people access the classes, the the technical stuff that I generally would say I'm not very good at. I had to get good at and get confident at. So all that happened beforehand. Um, and once we created this virtual membership, it's like okay, well. Now we need you said customers people people need to know about it, and again when we started a business, <laughs> there was no well business plan that we wrote up there was wrote up there was no um, the strategic was like oh, okay you good to martial arts good dance okay boom let's start a business do you know what I mean it was it was it was old school it was old school it was raw it was so we built up our community that like Jonathan said through word of mouth you know people knew. I think about one time where one boy said, "Jennifer, oh look, I think he was with Olivia." Mm. Oh, there's active kid. That was another one of our franchises. So people knew us through mm. that that children's sense that we taught him how to hop, or that school mm. Garfield. Do you, you know what I mean? All those different. Mm. So our, our marketing was by our mouth. So now mm. we're in a pandemic. Okay, we can't we can't people the same way. Like we, I can't just go, hey, you like dance? Yeah, come down to my class then. And- It was, okay, we need to be more savvy with it. We need to be more strategic with it. We had to, we had to, it was a very big learning experience for myself, a massive learning experience last year because I had to unlearn some things, learn some new things and open my mindset to doing things in a different, in a new and different way. So we decided to, uh, we met Isabella and we wanted to get the brand more out there and start building the brand again, introduce people to what we're doing. So it was, you know, as you know, on socials, you know, building it up on socials and creating a Facebook group and newsletters and a different way of, of, of meeting, engaging people, and letting them know that, hey, you can do, you can work out, you can access dance and school classes from the comfort of your own home, but in just a, a, a new way.
0: And tell, tell me about the name, mm-hmm. Sayao. Where did that come from and, and how did you decide on it?
3: So um, I think this is where when you talk about the word entrepreneur, it's you know I don't use that word often, but I think just from my journeys and experiences in life. So December two thousand and nineteen, obviously my wife's Filipino, so we head over to the Philippines to meet the family, and you're embraced in the culture. You know what it's like when you meet a new culture, you want to know everything about it, you want to learn it, you want to feel it, you want to breathe it. And gets into understanding. Like my wife speaks it fluently, Sabuano. And I said to her, um, when, when my mother in law, when I returned, when we were looking to rebrand, what's the word for dance? She said, sayao. Does that say it again? Sayao. So I Googled it. And it said, sayao, meaning dance, also used in reference to martial arts. And I was like, what? No, that's, this is too coincidental. Dance and martial arts, that's Hannah and I. Have to choose this word. So then we uh, hired a, a web designer, and they were based in the Philippines. So when we gave them the word "sayal," because they're Filipino, they they knew exactly what 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 the word was, and they could feel it. Because when you want a brand, you want someone to feel, you want the, your customers to feel it, to understand it. So she took us through the history of 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 what Sayao is, and so if you look at our S, that S that we have on our on our logo. Is part of uh, the old Filipino alphabet called Babayan. and um, we we wanted to create that sort of yin and yang on the on the on the, the logo as well. So we um, represent Hannah and myself. The the shape of the S represents movement, which is a part of our mission of you know, getting people moving well, moving often. So that's where the the origin came from, and then from there, we wanted to build a brand around it and make sure that people understand when they see that logo, what it represents, what those colors stand for, and what is it that they do?
0: The two of you make my job very easy. Um, Expensive Lessons is all about teasing out the experiences that other people have and then transforming that, that, that experience into learning for the people listening so that they can go away and say, okay, well, how did this experience impact them? And what can I do in order to have a similar experience? And what you guys do so well, is articulate not only the outcome, but the decision making process that led to that outcome. And what I hope the listeners are doing now is asking themselves the same question, when it comes to anything from transforming their business into a new operating model, to approaching marketing to differently to even creating the identity for their brand you know it's not about going oh you know they um went to the the Philippines and uh, found this incredible new word so I'm going to go to the Philippines too and see if I can no it's about identifying your core and your your, your core values and creating something which represents them um intrinsically so my responses generally for this have been incredibly short because I just love the fact that you guys are able to articulate your journey so well, um, and Afalavi has been chomping at the bit to get in again. So I'll hand over to to him for for another question.
1: Look, Abby, you've taken the words out of my mouth in terms of just a summary. Like, expensive lessons is an educational platform. Now, people might not like that phrase, but it's a platform for us to learn from one another's experiences, and you are just exuding authenticity and the power of collaboration. Um, Hannah Rich, you mentioned that one of the ways in which you might wish to do things differently to your parents is to actually collaborate, and you are doing that together. And for your collaboration, it's bringing about critique, it's bringing about quality assurance, but it's also bringing about organic ideas. Why don't we do this online? Which is a, an amazing way of pivoting during this time period. And there are many people who, will be in your shoes who developed something which was growing and the pandemic hit and they thought okay maybe this will be a few months and it turns into a whole year and they're thinking can this survive Mm -hmm. and maybe one of the roots is realizing what you're actually providing which is a service to a community a community which you want to move well and move often you know exactly what you're about your identity is strong everything's authentic including your branding so these are tangible lessons for everyone so people thank you so much
0: Really appreciate it. And as, as as we said, we we're always trying to to learn. And I think it it's important that we never switch that off. Mm-hmm. For for you two as entrepreneurs who've been in business now for for over a decade, learning new things can start to become a bit of a challenge because you're so focused on delivering that self improvement can almost take a bit of a backseat. Mm-hmm. So my question. To, to you Hannah Roof is how are you overcoming that challenge currently how are you making sure that you can still grow
2: that is a good question gosh no, no. good good test um <laughs> one, last year I, I'm going to be honest because that's to be authentic that's we so the last I'd say the, the past decade I was learning of course I left school finished university all those things so you're learning kind of does take a back seat you slow down, you're on your your mission, as you said. Um, So I would say I wasn't intentionally Mm. trying to learn new things. It's like, I guess I finished college, I finished uni, I finished school, I'm not learning anymore, I'm doing my own thing. Like, this is what I want to do. But I think at the height of the pandemic last year, 2020, I definitely remember saying to myself, okay, I need to learn new things um and I thought I just felt that strong kind of conviction that I, I need to learn new things and this was in January this was the beginning of the new year You know when you're setting your goals and that was the a very strong word that that kind of the Lord told me and I think it was obviously timely because then the pandemic hit in March so he obviously knew you know he knew what he was doing and I decided to sign up to a program um because another thing was I wanted to to learn new things you need to connect with new people and um yeah, so I decided to sign up to a Santander Women's um, Mentoring Program, um, which I applied for and I was accepted on and it was for nine months. And again, that was something that was meant to be face to face, end up being online. Um, and I was able to meet many uh, different women from different walks of life who ran businesses very different to, to myself. However, I was able I was able to learn, upskill, um, understand where I wanted the, you know. Where we wanted the a business to go. Um, and just myself, my position, and my role within the business. Um, I think when you're someone, when you're working in the business, you don't get a lot of time to think about, okay, I need to work on the business. And I'd spent a decade of working in the business. And I had to take a step back to and, you know, look at my actual role, my contribution to the business as a founder, not as a not as a dance coach. Because that's, that's, that's not my role, that's my, that's my secondary role. My, my actual role is, is, is the founder of it. So if I'm not growing, the business won't grow. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, in a nutshell, it, it was it was uh, the beginning of last year, it was, okay, I need to continually put myself in situations and in places and around people where I'm continually growing so the business can grow because that's the end that year.
0: My, my my key takeaway from that before I hand that same question over to you, Jonathan, is simply get a mentor. Um, if, you, if you're running a business, if you're trying to achieve anything, really have a mentor who's going to help you do it. Um, it's something which has put me in good stead and something which I'm still looking to develop. You don't need to just get one mentor and stick with them. You could have a mentor who's going to help you, um, in my instance as a husband a mentor is going to help you as a businessman a mentor is going to help you um, through faith you know any aspects of your life that you want to grow that you want to 10x a mentor is a, is a perfect way of getting there. Jonathan what what are you currently doing to increase your learning to challenge yourself in new areas?
3: Yeah that's a good question to get, again and there's three main things that I want to highlight as well especially expensive listeners podcasts and listeners that may want to just um, see how they can apply it to, to their, their life as well. So number one is reading reading books. So I don't read like, many books in a year. It takes me about a year to read two books, I'll be honest. But I, I make my notes, I highlight, I highlight things that I like in them. I like to go back and reflect on them as well. So reading is definitely important for me. It helps improve my vocabulary as well which I find is, is useful the second one is what you said Abby a mentor so I um, was fortunate to find the right mentor for myself last year who has been there and done it himself and is able to pass those lessons onto myself and you know regularly texts me and encourages me and calls me which is which is very useful because business as you know can be a lonely journey and then three is well it's putting myself in uncomfortable situations regularly. So um, I think as a man, one of the most vulnerable positions you can put yourself in is to be beaten up. You know, no man wants to be beaten up because the man's job is to protect. But when you're involved in Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu, you're going to be around people that are better than you and worse than you. Sometimes you'll destroy. Sometimes you'll be destroyed. And I find that when I'm being destroyed, although it's it's tough for me mentally, it, when I go out into the world, it makes it, things easier.
0: That last point you made, it could be a podcast in itself, because I think there is so much value to what you've said. And also it highlights probably why I believe you're so humble as an individual. Um, or one of the reasons, should I say. Um, one of the points that I do want to talk about is your first point which is around reading and you said that maybe you would read two books a year um my encouragement for people is to to take that lesson from Jonathan and actually delve into books but don't just read them digest them Jonathan was highlighting them some books you are going to read three or four times in your life because of how much value you get there are other individuals who read a book a week um who can read a book a week about self-improvement and there is no self-improvement but, so I'd, I'd say that the, the key takeaway there is that if you are going to read make sure that the the, the 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 books that you're reading actually has a tangible impact on your life my brother always told me that if your brain is a computer books are the software update mm. but they can only update the software if you're actually allowing these things to penetrate. Now, guys, I've loved this podcast a lot and I'm going to listen back to it because I think there are so many gems in the information that you've shared. Um, I'm going to hand over to to Afalabi in a moment. Uh, I've got maybe one or two questions left. Um, but one question I, I'd like to ask before handing over is how, how has your faith played a part in in your journey as an entrepreneur um i'll ask you jonathan first
3: yeah very good question faith is is a, it's an interesting one you know that the what's, what's the bible's definition the evidence of things unseen but just being sure of, of the future but not knowing what's going to happen you know this um it's wavered a lot and i want to be, be honest like I wouldn't say I'm the, the most strongest in faith, you know, because personally I want to be further ahead than where I am now. So sometimes I pray to God I'm like, God, come on, what are you doing? Put me, put me there. This is where I want to be. Um, however, you know, when you, when you're reading the word, like for example, <laughs> the scriptures that I'm reading um, recently has been on faith and it's talked about Abraham Talking about how he was blessed later on in his life and his wife, and although although it is it's, it's humbling, it's encouraging. I just said to God, you know, please don't bless me at the time you bless Abraham, because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait a long time, you know, and it's not gonna look good for, it's not gonna look good for Instagram, you know? Instagram can't wait that long. <laughs> so my my faith is growing daily from um i've just written actually on our olivia and i've got a weekly uh, schedule you know when we do our chores etc and i was just i'm quite an avid person on twitter and um I, i've got a christian group that i follow in there and, and it says okay so in, in this order prayer word fellowship and um and worship and this is what i am trying to do to regularly in 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 um to grow my faith you know prayer it says it's, it's in there, it's talking to god you know um, reading the word that's how you get edified worship you know, you know we don't have physical church but listening to the worship music and then fellowship you know this for me is fellowship right now and also you know joining like gospel basics class on zoom so if I can put those four things in place regularly and I might miss some days etc etc but I think consistency will help my faith continue to grow
0: fantastic thank you um Afalabi um, just passing that same
1: question on to Hannah Ruth first before I just summarise some of the golden nuggets. Hannah Ruth?
2: Um, to, I think the word for me that comes to mind is just perseverance. My faith has been, has been perseverance. Um, We've mentioned resilience a lot um, and if it wasn't for my faith, which is my comfort, which at times, again, it's not easy, it's not perfect, it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm a perfect Christian, any of that. I I think the scripture that comes to mind, just because it's been on my mind this week, is just that. let us run with perseverance, the race that's marked out before us. Hebrews 12.1, that scripture is just what we've been talking about today. It's just constantly running with the perseverance. Yes, taking time to rest, taking time to step back, but... um, just our journey has just been a lot of perseverance and will continue to be perseverance. Um, but it's marked out for us, it's marked out for me and Jonathan, just like Abby's is, just like yours As I thought Abby's just it, it's your race and you're not racing against anyone else. Everything happens in its own time. And at times, there's many times where that can be frustrating, as like Jonathan said, to, to accept. You want to give up you're sometimes. Look, you're looking at other people in, in, mm. their, in their lane, but you're on your own lane. Stay in your own lane and, um, you know, yeah, it's and just continue to persevere.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Reiterating Abby's earlier point you speak so succinctly and fluently that no one needs to really summarize your points but for those people who are really avid listeners and want to take away sound nuggets I've just been making a few notes just to things that you are really unearthing um at the very beginning um, Jonathan you spoke about suffering and how one of the things that your children are passing on was suffering, and when you said that I thought about the idea of growth being uncomfortable, and we've continued to speak about growth is uncomfortable, and thus we need that perseverance, as Hannah Ruth mentioned, because that uncomfortability is necessary for that next season for you need to be able to withstand that. Um, it's funny that you mentioned, Jonathan, that you don't read often, but when you read, as Ali mentioned, you study. That is not a bad thing that's better it's far better that you study or any of us study than we just consume books like fast food but it doesn't actually impute into us nothing actually changes um I really like Hannah Roof's quote if if I'm not growing the business will not grow and she spoke about conviction and that is something which any founder if they haven't felt there's a problem um because I, I felt that as well and it's so important for us to realize that we have to continually invest within ourselves from our own souls, but also within us and our spirits. There is that conviction that there are things that we should be doing or maybe not doing and listening to that because that voice is going to be there. You might ignore it, but it'll come up again. And you'll probably regret ignoring it because it was prepping you for that next evening coming. And you've done that. So one takeaway I'm taking away from this is just continuing to listen to the holy spirit in me who is guiding me. Um, so for me thank you ever so much for actually joining us today.
0: Yeah, it's been a it's it's been a very interesting one for me. Very uncomfortable because normally I feel like what what information people share with me I can then go and expand and maybe take it in another direction and add to it but what you have done in many responses to my questions is provide a very complete answer. And I've just kind of had to go, yep, yeah, I, I, there's nothing else for me to say. Thank you. Moving on to the next question, which for me is great because I don't get to enjoy these podcasts during them. I normally get to enjoy the podcast afterwards when I re-listen. That's not the case for this podcast. I've listened to what you guys have said and gone, these are gems. And then I had to wake up and go, this is my podcast. I need to <laughs> need to keep it moving. Um, so what, what that highlights is a level of wisdom and wisdom doesn't come by accident. It comes through being stretched. It comes through being tested and it comes from suffering. Um, and it comes from expensive lessons. So my final question uh, to you, and I'll start with Hannah Ruth for this one um, in your journey, what has been your most expensive lesson?
2: gosh many expensive lessons we don't need to relive all of them but um, <laughs> you know again I was listening to your previous podcast and um, you were some one of the I think it was again it was original flavor and they said I'm going to say the same thing but I think it's because it, it is many founders go through this and Abby you were like you were in agreement with it very very strongly but it's as I said about collaborating, it's great to collaborate. However, know <laughs> that who you're collaborating with. Know that is their value systems the same? Is that do they see the vision of what you are doing? Do they believe in the vision of what they are doing? So it would be um, your team hiring, recruiting. Um, there's been many, many expensive lessons through that. So um, just, just know, know your team.
0: I I really hope the listener, how how many founders do we need to get on to to say, let's know your team. I really hope the listeners are taking this one away. Thank you, Hannah Ruth, because absolutely, I think it is one of the things that causes the most pain um, for for a founder. And if you've got a poor team working with or for you, you do not sleep well. So please heed the words yet again uh, from, from our founders. Uh, Over to you, Jonathan.
3: Yeah, I think my one um, seems quite simple, but quite powerful for myself. The most expensive lesson has been just the mistakes that I make weekly and daily, whether it's not uh, doing an an admin task right for the first time, or whether it's hiring the wrong person, as Hannah just mentioned, or whether it's being reactive rather than proactive. But again, I think that's the, uh, the, 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 the blessing because I, I don't want people to be afraid of making mistakes. Make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, enjoy making mistakes because that's when you're going to grow further. Your business is not going to be successful or you are not going to be successful as a person until you make mistakes. You know, I feel like you have children, you remember when they were um, not walking, but to walk, they fell probably a thousand times. You know, and I want to encourage myself and others to make mistakes daily, but write them down what they are and then look at how you can improve on them.
0: The value of journaling um is is really understated and it's something which I want to um develop a discipline for going forward because I see people doing it and I see the benefit that it has in their lives so once again another gem another nugget to to, for for people to take away capture the mistake that you did but also the lesson that you learned from it Mm -hmm. Hannah Ruth Jonathan this has been fantastic it's been the perfect way for me to start my day and i'm really grateful for the way that you blessed us listening uh, and and the listeners uh, at home so sial is a business which is growing which is a, a business which people can access right now how can how can the listeners find out more about your your company
2: um so you can check out our website which is www.sayaw.co.uk. That's S-A-Y-A-W.co.uk. And you can find out all about what we do there. Um, And then also you can check us out on social media. So that's our Instagram. That's Sayaw Limited. I'm against S-A-Y-A-W. And on Facebook and also YouTube. If you want to, you know, a few fitness tips. And that's it. I
3: want to say thank you to to, to you both as well. Um, like we talked in that word sacrifice. You guys, um, for the past over 365 days, have been sacrificing your time <laughs> to teach us and others expensive lessons. So um, you know, I think your listeners should take heed from what you would do uh, religiously, because without, if you wasn't consistent in what you were doing, your podcast wouldn't be successful. Your listeners wouldn't be enjoying what you're doing. So your living living word and uh, an example to what you hope your listeners will put into practice for their lives. So well done to you guys and and thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Expensive Lessons where company directors share with you the fruit of their labor, the lessons that they've learned in this long winding road that is entrepreneurship. We look forward to the engagement. We look forward to the questions and we look forward to you catching us next time.